Hey, everybody, it's Lee. I know we're heading into the offseason, so we wanted to give a shout-out to our title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena, one more time. And again, we have a coupon for $50 off an annual subscription when you use Hockey Never Stops at hockey.sensearena.com. I always like to remind everybody, I've been using this thing for six months, and I'm just blown away, not just from the VR aspect of it and the virtual reality side of things, but the ability to give different perspectives of the game, whether I'm playing as a goaltender, and I got to admit, it is really hard, but it has really given me a perspective from that point of hockey, which has made me a better coach and a better ice hockey player, or the skater modes, which help you work on cognitive skills and other things like heads-up play that you don't normally get to work on in a practice or a game. So I implore you to check it out. It helps us out. It helps them out. Support our title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena. Get $50 off an annual subscription when you use Hockey Never Stops at Hockey.SenseArena.com. Again, that's Hockey Never Stops. That's the code at Hockey.SenseArena.com. Check it out. And without further ado, enjoy this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. Hey, everybody. Here's your quick little 30-second uh, what you're about to hear today. We've got a great guest today. Uh, Scott Kelsey is here, a professional hockey player, and today he runs uh, several organizations working in the mental health aspect of sports. But we have a great conversation today really about youth hockey and the conversations you can have with your kids at youth hockey, conversations you should have with yourself in youth hockey, and, and really the process, especially in that kind of 12-down age group. We talk about both, but Things you can look out for to kind of, not if you're doing it right, but just things to look out for to maybe continue on the journey and see that pathway. The journey of hockey is the, the whole thing and not just the destination that you're trying to get to. We also talk about how Scott completely pivoted his life um, after a massive brain injury in 2018 and how he gives back now to athletes and other people by sharing his story and how uh, creating communities has really been a great uh, pathway for not just him, but other people involved to kind of find a pathway through um, what they're dealing with in their lives. So really powerful episode. Um, and again, look, if you want to support us or support the show, aside from listening, which we really do appreciate, uh, head over to OurKidsPlayHockey.com. Check out the uh, Shop Now uh, button there that's right at the top of the page. We got a lot of deals on there with uh, several companies uh, that we put together for you to support you, supports us, um, just trying to, to help whoever we can. So again, that's OurKidsPlayHockey.com. Check it out there. We got a little bit of a, a store on the front page. Uh, if you want Our Kids Play Hockey merchandise, let us know somehow. We'll start making that. But without further ado, let's get into the episode with Scott Kelsey. Mike Benelli and I on Our Kids Play Hockey. Hello, hockey friends and families around the world, and welcome to another edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. I'm Lee Elias, and joined as always by Mike Benelli. Christy Casciano Burns is on assignment tonight, but our guest today, Scott Kelsey, is a former collegiate and professional hockey player who played over 350 games as a defenseman in the ECHL, CHL, and UHL. And after moving on from hockey, Scott successfully transitioned to a career in the mortgage industry, working with some of the nation's top mortgage companies. But Scott's story pivoted dramatically in 2018 after suffering a traumatic brain injury. And his focus was shifted greatly towards mental health and taking action to create and be involved with several projects, included but not limited to therapy, Edge for Athletes, and the Ranch Teammates for Life. And you'll remember we just interviewed Clint Millarchuk from that organization as well. And the idea is to connect people and to inspire people to use athletics as a way to better their lives outside of sports. Scott is still active in the game today. This is going to be a very good hockey episode as well. He's coaching youth hockey in Princeton, New Jersey. He's also a very proud father, one of us, to two children, seven-year-old Greta, who's playing 8U hockey, and four-year-old Alex, who, as Scott puts it, is playing with trucks right now but is projected to be skating at some point in the near future. Scott, welcome to Our Kids Play Hockey. 
Thanks, Lee and uh, Mike, for having me on. Um, incredible introduction. I might just uh, copy that if you don't mind. And that for all future <laughs> yeah. references. So great, thank you. Thanks we provide me. a lot. If I can, if, I will send you the intro written out. You can put that however you want. You just got to update the kids' ages as the years go by. But no, thank yeah, you. Yeah, when, when you when you do your next parent <laughs> meeting, that could be just your opening opening monologue right there. Just have just play that. Agreed. Uh, or I can, or Lee can drive over. He's he's right down the road. That's true. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll do it in a really perfect. Sense. Scott Kelsey yeah. has been serving <laughs> mankind for years now. Um, Scott, so listen, I want to jump into the hockey side of your life quick. Uh, we know you hail from New York. You played for Hamilton College uh, before several professional teams uh, in leagues. To be honest with you, that it, it, uh, you have to be a workhorse, to, workhorse, excuse me, to survive those leagues. So I'm not asking you for your whole life bio here. But can you tell us the moment or the moments in your life when you knew that hockey was going to be something you wanted to pursue? Oh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a you know a small town in, in upstate New York, Clinton, that has a pretty rich hockey tradition. And uh, although my my parents, uh, my dad, you know, my dad was a basketball player and a and a good baseball player in high school, so they really didn't have outside of being fans of uh, the Clinton Comets that were up there, the old EHL team, they didn't have much exposure to the game. So, um, you know, early on, without going into too much detail, my brother heard something on the announcement at school about playing hockey. We got involved. I think I was probably six or seven uh, at the time. So, uh, you know, my parents were very supportive and always been supportive. So they, you know, bought us a gear, you know, put us on the ice, and that kind of started our hockey journey. So, um, you know, had the fortune of, of playing for some really good coaches up there. A lot of the guys that had, had skated in that, that minor league had stayed around town. Um, so very rich hockey tradition. I think, you know, we had a lot of success in, in youth, right? Uh, New York's a pretty good uh, powerhouse in terms of, um, you know, uh, youth hockey, high school hockey, um, obviously has a fair share of good college teams as well. So I really think like, uh, you know, if I look back at it, probably, you know, Pee Wee Bantam age, you know, right when you're starting to get, you know, kind of thinking about if you're going to play high school um, and and then going into high school, uh, I had some pretty good success in, in youth sports, playing with some good teams, traveling all over, you know, uh, the Northeast at the time, sometimes to, to international tournaments and, and across the border and stuff. But um, I think, uh, you know, there was one point, and, and now that I think about it is I got cut uh, I didn't make it freshman year. And this isn't a Michael Jordan story. <laughs> I shot 58 pucks into a, you know, uh, a uh, washer and dryer like Sid Crosby. But um, it just, uh, it probably at the time shocked me, right? Like it was the first time that I had a little bit of, uh, a little bit of reality that, geez, maybe you're not good enough. And, you know, uh, I think my parents probably instilled in me that kind of a, hey, give it another try next year. And, you know, still played some pretty good youth hockey. And then, after that, my my sophomore year, I made the team, had some pretty good success there, and then and then just climbed a little bit more in terms of that success ladder in terms of just being part of good teams and being a pretty uh, I, th I think a pretty instrumental instrumental part of those teams. Um, you know, got my eyes and and head thinking about college hockey. So and then um, and then from there, it's probably about that that age, probably sophomore year in high school, or it was like, geez, you know what? Not only can I potentially continue to play. Um, but maybe, you know, somebody will, you know, pay my way to college for me to do so. So I would say probably in those mid-teen years is where I really kind of thought, hey, there might be something to this game outside of just youth sports. This is fascinating. And how old were you when you said you started? I would say sixth, the youngest. Wow. Yeah. So the reason I ask that is this, is that 
I, I love the way you describe that because it was this journey of discovery from six to really 16, the way you said it. And I'm also saying 16, it just sounds better than 18 when I say six. But the, the point is this, you know, one of the things that we don't see today is that explanation because there's so much social media, there's so much out there about making it and college and pro that I don't even know if we're allowing our kids to discover the journey of exploring the game as a possibility, right? It's almost from moment one, well, there's the destination. And I don't think that's how it works. And again, it, it, I've heard similar stories, Scott, uh, from actually reading Mike Rizzoni's book, right? You sound just like him. Like, I didn't even know if I was going to be good enough to make it. And then here you are, you played 350 plus games of professional hockey. Um, and for, again, for everybody listening, if you play one game <laughs> of professional hockey, you're pretty darn good. All right. It doesn't really matter. Mike and I talk about this all the time with like NHL players where kids go, that guy sucks. And it's like, no, that guy's the best hockey player you've ever played with. If you get on the ice with that guy. Right. So I just wanted to emphasize that, that this was a journey of discovery, that there are moments along the journey, some of them painful that allowed you to realize, wow, this is something I want to pursue. We will get to kind of the later part of your life where you have some other discoveries later in the episode, but I think that that's, that's just a really important thing to bring up. Um, yeah, yeah, Scott, yeah. real quick, like where was like, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming um, you get cut. You're, you think you're a pretty good hockey player. And I'm assuming mom and dad didn't, you know, the first thing they didn't do is blast off, you know, going to the coach and screaming and yelling and saying how, you know, it was their fault that you didn't make the team. So, you know, just maybe a little bit right there you know, in your experience, and even now that you're in kind of the youth hockey world as well, but just that ability, like Lee was saying, to kind of find that motivation yourself, like to just to, to, to somebody to say, hey, listen, you be accountable. You want to get better, you've got to work, and you've got to do it. Like, I can't do this for you. I think, you know, back when you played, and, and certainly when I played, like, I didn't have the option to look on YouTube and mm-hmm and get private lesson instructors. And, I'm in that group too, Mike. I'm not that young. Yeah, just yeah, okay. right, well, right, I just, geez. I didn't want to, I didn't want to age you. I didn't want to age you, you but, Sorry, go ahead. but I, I just, but I just think it's one of those things where like now, like a kid doesn't make a team. And the first thing a parent does is they throw them into, you know, a hundred different skills camps and get a private trainer and a coach. And they don't even know if the kid wants it. Like that, that expert, you know, finding it themselves, which is, which it sounds like you did. Yeah, this is uh, how long do we have here today? Because that's uh, that could be a, you know a week long discussion. <laughs> Six part um, mini well, we, we've yeah. been doing we've been doing the podcast for two years, so it's, it does take a long time to. to yeah, no, to I think it. you know where I think I did benefit, and you hear it a lot. And who knows? I think uh, individually, everybody has their own journey, and and you know I'm not going to sit here and and say that hey uh, somebody was telling me oh you're going to grow out of your failures and and all the stuff we hear today, which I think is true, right? You know, in terms of mistakes you make and. And those times where you might not, you know, I don't know if when I was a 14, 15 year old, if I really was like, you know, reading some self-help book saying, oh, don't worry about it, you know, just learn from it and grow. I was probably angry. I was probably upset. I was probably a little embarrassed. Right. And I don't know how that factored into motivating myself. You know, I wasn't climbing stairs like Rocky or, you know, shooting a million pucks, like I said. But I think one of the things, if it, if it makes sense uh, in terms of that, is I played other sports and I was I was probably just as good, if not better, of a baseball player. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, growing up and, and through high school, and I also played football up until, um, you know, it's, I think junior year of high school where I had a little bit of a knee problem and the, the coaches, and it just made sense for me not to risk 
playing football. So I think having that, those other two, um, in terms of having other sports to lean on and, and still, you know, at least have two thirds of the year or, or at least half of the year taken with other sports. And then obviously having some time off during the summer, I think that that helps, right. I think, you know, there is a lot of focus as we see these days in terms of one sport athletes and it's all over the board. I, I obviously, depending upon who you talk to, you can, you can slant it either way. You know, there is obviously proven success for kids, whether they're, you know, going through the system now in the in the development program or colleges or in the NHL that had success being a one sport athlete. But for me, my story and my experience was just that, you know, it maybe it softened the blow a little bit to be able to have those other sports to focus on and rely on with knowing that hockey was there if I wanted it. And uh obviously I had the opportunity the following year and still played club club hockey and uh and just kind of, you know, that helped bridge the gap in terms of maybe mentally and 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 just getting through that, you know, setback, so to speak. You know, Scott, I'm going to jump to this question because you're alluding to it. You, know, I, I, you wrote about the importance of taking a break in sports seasons for your, and this is how you wrote it. And I, I want to emphasize it, personal athletic development. So taking a break for personal athletic development. So I, I want to unpack that because in hockey, uh, the way hockey's built right now, there's always the next thing. There's the spring league, then the summer league, and then the pre-tryout thing, and then the tryout thing. And then, the, you know, it, it just keeps going. Um, and, and naturally too, look, look, Parents want to do that. Kids want to be with their friends. You know, there's a lot of reasons to string you along, but it can be tough for parents and even tougher for the kids to say no, right? So how do you approach that? How do you think we should approach that? Uh, and, and again, keeping my personal athletic development from breaks are important. Yeah, I mean, I could, you know, it's interesting because going back a little bit in history, after I stopped playing, I, I coached youth hockey for about eight to 10 years, everywhere from every from mites up through up, up through prep school. So I got a pretty good exposure, you know, post-career for me in terms of that. And uh, I took a break myself, right, from coaching, you know, to try to build the career and um, and just take a break. I think I needed it. I But, and I don't think, I think a lot of things have changed um, and since then, um, but I'm glad that I dove back into it the last year or so. Um, obviously with my daughter wanting to be involved, um, that was very random. It's not because I played hockey. She came home one day and, I think, uh, you know, as a, as a six-year-old, uh, if you can have a crush on a kid, she had a crush on a hockey guy. So, or a kid, so she wanted to play <laughs> hockey, but I think, um, you know, taking a break for me, you know, it worked for me. A lot of folks that I know it worked, you know, I think there's a lot of, uh, there was a lot of benefit for me playing other sports. Um, you know, not only in terms of, you know, skill development, you know, um, but also just, just, it's a long season, whether, whether you're, you know, any season, whether it's soccer, football, lacrosse. I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of time and efforts put into that season. And I think you just need to decompress. So I just remember, you know, being for really looking forward to, you know, football season getting over. So then I could strap on the hockey year and then hockey season getting over. So I could strap on the baseball year. I just had excitement in all of them. And, you know, um, it wasn't like I was, you know, way ahead of my time looking to round out my skills. It was just something that my parents felt that we needed a break, you know, and um, and, and my dad being a baseball lover or a good baseball player, maybe, um, you know, maybe that had something to do with it or probably did. But I think it's really hard. Like you I, you could argue both, um, you know, for me personally, my suggestion or what, what I'm going to try to do with my kids the best I can is, is just give them the space and the opportunity to explore whatever they want. Like our daughter, I've, I've showed up at practice this year without my daughter with me, you know, if she has something going on and it's too much that day, you know, um, you know, I let her pass, but I, I do try to speak with her about her commitment this year and being in a team and make her understand that, 
you know, other kids might, you know, miss her, or, you know, and, and, and try to have fun with it. But I, it's a really touchy subject, right? Because yeah. you yeah. can, you can upset a lot of people. And I think like with everything else in life in general, if I just use the words in my experience, then how can they fault you? Right. I'm talking right. from experience. It's my experience. You know, people are going to make the choice to put their kids in these clinics and uh, spend the time and money to do so. I, I, I just would hope that my guidance would be just have a really good gauge on your kids as best as you can. Right. And not worry about what, you know, your neighbor's kids doing or, or whatever the other kids are doing and, and just, you know, you know, go down that path and see what happens. And if the kid, if your child, um, you know, takes a, a particular liking to the sport, maybe throw in a, a, some additional stuff, you know, and see, but don't, I think throwing the kid into, you know, you know, head on into full-time any sport gets a little bit risky in terms of not only development, but also their mental kind of, um, their mental state with anything in terms of athletics. I, I tell you, it's it's so funny that you say that because I was just having that conversation with a couple of uh, parents the other night um, just about, you know, what they see and, and what the reality is. And I think we fall into this in our new world of, uh, you know, the everybody being an open book, apparently, you know, online. And I, I was laughing at this one parent that posted a picture of his kids, um, like having some great clinic in the morning. Like it was one of those like 6 a.m., you know, get up for it before, you know, posting the that it's negative eight degrees and they're they're making the trek. And I was at the rink that morning and I watched these two kids come in crying bitching, moaning, miserable. Like I said, I didn't see any of that video on Facebook. All, you know, I saw, I saw the, I saw the drills by the time they got out there, but it's so funny how, you know, I think to your point, everybody has to know their own kid. And if you start compare, if you, if you think you're seeing another kid's success uh, online and you think it's because of something, you know, do your, don't worry about them. Worry about, you know, what's your threshold is your, is your kid, can they get up at 6 a.m.? Can they stay up till 10.30 p.m.? Can they function on zero sleep? I mean, it's all about, you know, what your kid, and I agree with you. There are Listen, there are certain kids that just, in any sport, that take to it, love it, find it, play it, excel at it, you know, don't excel at it, just love being there. And I think what we, we can't fall into the trap that because I saw somebody online do it, you don't really know the full picture. You know, you don't really see this full story. And I, I say it to, you know, the guys I work with all the time. Like when you see these kids on, on social media doing like the trick shots and the, you know, catching, you know, pucks in the air. And I said, you know, that's that, that kid probably practiced that like 700 times. I mean, they probably missed three days of school to, to catch that puck. And I said, you know, just, it doesn't happen the first time. And a lot of our kids go, I can't do it. I, I couldn't do that. Well, you've been out for five minutes. <laughs> you, yeah. haven't, you haven't done it. You you haven't you haven't built the foundation to where that kid is. And I, I I'd say that all the time, even then when I do a lot of drills, like, oh my God, your kids are doing that that drill or that game and it looks so great. I go, Yeah, but we're like four months in. Like that drill started with like a basic catch and pass. Yeah. And now it's a now it looks like something, right? But let's look back on how it started. You can't just implement that because you saw it. And I, I think that's the same thing I think you're trying to say, right? Is that you know, that I'm hearing is that like, you know, where, wherever you can gauge your kids, gauge them, you still got to push them. Like, so the fact is the kids, you got to say, Hey, they, you made a commitment. We're going right. You know, but, but maybe missing, you know, the school concert may, might not be the time to institute, 
you know, you're all because you because our kids are all in on a lot of things, right? They're not but, just in like you'd hope so. I the mean, one sport. Yeah, I mean, I was just gonna say you'd hope so, right? And, and Scott, to your point too, like, look, there's a lot of different branches to this tree. In sports, there's other sports. I think it's also important to to recognize that hey, maybe your kid plays an instrument. Maybe your kid uh, does something outside of sport instruments, like there's a glee club, acting, singing. I, I mean, whatever it is, there, there's yeah, a lot of that. different things in life at that age. Um, and, you, you know, I think it's important, too. And and we, we all have we everybody I've met has a challenge with this uh, is you got to apply, you know, would you be able to handle this as an adult? Right. I, I always like like would I be able to handle this much of this? or something as an adult. And it's like, most people don't want to go to work every single day and they do it for years. And we take vacations and we try and take breaks. And and, and by the way, God bless anyone who's not, all right, you're working your butt off. Maybe you're supporting your kids in this game, but it's tough for us. So it, it, it's even harder from at least an emotional mental standpoint, I think sometimes for the kids. Um, and the other thing too, and Mike, I want, I would love for you to touch on this too with Scott is that there's this irrational fear that the kid's going to lose talent or skill if they take a few months off. Um, a few things. If your kid loves the sport, they're not going to lose too much, right? I mean, yes, they'll be rusty for a week, mm-hmm. okay? that That's going to happen. NHL players take off time, right, from being on the ice. Uh, two is that that's not a reason to not take a break. It's a fear of loss of skill, right? Especially if you're playing other sports, you're going to be well-rounded anyway. But, like, that's the kind of, well, if, if, if he or she stops playing now, they're not going to be ready for October. And it's like, uh, yeah, it might be okay. <laughs> that yeah. is one of the benefits of having tryouts earlier, right? So anyway, I wanted to throw that out to you too as well. Yeah, Scott, you know, one of the things I was saying, I'd love to hear your your thought on this though, is I, I, yeah, like all of us are trying to get our eight and our six, eight, 10 year old, you know, up to that next level, right? You know, prepared for the next level. And I, I've been, my, my my biggest thing I've been trying to get across to people is like, yeah, but, all this work, ultimately, we want them playing at 16. Like, if all this work now is not doing us any good if they quit. And and, and the statistics are not on our side. 13 years old, that's it. Like, that's when kids quit any sport. It's when right. it gets to the point where they can make a decision, when they can influence the parent more than the parent can influence them, and when they can just put their foot down. It's like, I, I, I do not enjoy this. Like, this is not something I like. And I think that's where, you know, so I think that that, that rush – to you know professionalize our kids and to make them feel like adults the only people that can combat that and fight that with you are people that have done it like it was so funny i was talking to a coach yesterday they're like you know it's almost like you wish you could have a kid make all your mistakes and then have another kid like 10 years later and say okay I, I, you know, and I, and I, and I try to do that as a, as a coach, a mentor, an administrator. Like I try not to come off as I know everything. I try to come off as I'm just going to let you know what my experience has been just like you, Scott, and what I've seen. And then you could frame it any way you want. But at the end of the day, uh, you have to make that decision, but I'm just letting you know where your kid is now. You know, the college coach that sees them at eight is not, is not writing them in the notebook and saying, Gonna look for that kid down the road. You know, that's gonna be a kid I'm gonna recruit. Just this doesn't happen. Yeah, no, those are great points. I think the, you know, especially at the younger years, right? 12U, 10U, 8U, 6U, um, is that you know, there's certain core competencies, right? With with anything, right? I mean, um, and 
and if I look at it, like I was, I had, unfortunately or fortunately, I had I had knee replacement a, a couple of weeks ago, so I've been off the ice. Oh, God bless it's you. Given, it's given yeah. me a um, yeah, that's six surgeries in after after a long career. But Yikes. it's interesting because it's given me the ability to sit in the stands a little bit and talk to some of the parents and just hear kind of the concerns, right? Because we're wrapping up our season in the AU in, in most uh, most uh, most ages in the next couple of weeks, and then you have maybe a break and then you got a little bit of tryouts and you got kids going up and, you know, but, um, and I can see, like, I can see the progression. And I think, I hope my parents are pretty satisfied with where we've been this year, but um, I think certain core competencies, right. Like, you know, in any sport, like skating, right. Um, You know, where you can, where you can work on some of those um, that don't need to be in a full uh, one week hockey camp. Right. You know, do some fun lessons or something like that. But I think outside of just the physical competencies, stick handling, you know, and I'm not even talking about playmaking stuff, just stick handling, being comfortable with the puck, understanding a little bit about uh, your skating and, and and the game itself, but to work on more of the, and I'm not a child development specialist, right. But there's something that goes on here that you need to be concerned with when those kids are that young. Right. And they're that impressionable, you know, and that goes right down from the coaches and obviously up through the parents and such that you need to work on, which, you know, it's like, you know, with the bigger picture stuff, like it's okay to fail or, you know, I like to say we don't win or lose, we win or learn. Mm. Right. You know, um, and try to just impart a little bit of that. Like my discussion with my daughter is probably two or three questions in the car. Once I know that her head has already gone to the next birthday party or dancing that night, it's done. We don't recap it. We don't go through film. You know, she's seven years old, but I do think that um, trying to get to your point, sorry, I can get tangential sometimes is that you know, you can do more damage than good sometimes in terms of pushing kids into something if they're really not, you know, asking for it, right, themselves. If they're really not out there saying, I want to do this, want to do this, want to do this. Because I don't think kids, in my opinion, I don't think kids have that um, comparison syndrome too much figured out, you know, where they have to do it because Johnny's doing it or because, uh, you know, George is doing it. I think that if they really love it and they want to do something, they'll try it. Versus the parents, you know, thinking, you know, in order to get to that 8U team, not only 8U team, but the, you know, AAA 8U team, you know, we're going to have to do six clinics this summer and you're going to give up your time at the pool and you're going to have to do this. I think that's where you can really get into um, not more physical harm, but more mental, you know, maybe scarring kids in terms of, you know, putting them that they have to perform at this level and they have to do this to succeed. I think at those ages, and I was telling my parents yesterday during the game, you know, I had a couple of conversations is, you know, while they might be locking in skating right now, they're, they feel they, they've, they've progressed in a, in a playmaking and it's all the, you know, it's a composition of all those things. Right. And they're six and eight and 10, right. At summer times they'll figure it out. And if they figure out they don't like the game, you know, that's fine. Let them pick a pass on. I just think forcing anything at that early of an age can lead to, like you had said, 13, if that's the age, that's pretty darn young. So you've invested all this time into your kids and then they get burnt out. It's not, obviously it's more common than uncommon that it's a very fine line that you have to toe with those kids at that under, underage, you know, under the 12 and, and, you know, the eight, six, eight, 10, 12 you that you got to be very mindful of what's going on, not only on the ice, but off the ice. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, when you invest all that, you know, your kid at 13 says he wants to quit. And you want to strangle him. I mean, it's like, it's like, you know, what do you mean? What do you mean you want to quit? I've, I've invested, I've, I've invested all this in you. Like I've given you this gift. I brought you to camps. I brought you to clinics. I brought, and it's so funny how we, we refer to it as like a transactional kind of 
you know, progress. It's not, it's, 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 listen, I, I'm going to provide you whatever you love to do. Uh, me as a parent, my job is to, you know, get you exposed to as many different things that you can find and like, whether it's art, music, sports, football, basketball, hockey, and then just be the bumper. Right. And just, just kind of keep you on track and, and hopefully it, 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 they like, like to me, I joke around my guys all the time. I just want you to like something I like, cause then I can like going to it. <laughs> like, I don't want you to, like, I don't, I'm not sure if I would like, you know, there's certain things I just don't like, you know? So I said, I'll still love you and I'll still enjoy watching you and I'll still in love, you know, cheering for you, whatever it is, but there's stuff I'm just not a big fan of. You know? <laughs> so I might not be as inclined to push it on you, right. you know, and, and, and really like say, Oh, let's go to, you know, let's make sure you're in band camp for the next three weeks. You know, I'm not doing that, well, I, but maybe I should, you know, and, and I think it's just a passion's passion. Mike. Well, it's, it's just it, where, like, wherever that kid finds that, right. Like I, that's yeah. one thing I know my parents were always with me. They're like, we don't care what you're passionate about. Just be passionate about something right. like just find passion. I don't, whatever it is, it is just find whatever that passion is and be proud about it. And we'll support you hundred percent. And I think, you know, it, it just happened to be hockey and, and uh, you know youth kind of development but i think it's um but i think to your to your point scott you know having the opportunity to talk to your parents about listen my job here is just to be the guardrails and to be and to provide the skill because i know that's one thing i can transmit to your kids i can show them how to hold a stick i can show them how to make a pass i can show them how to make a pivot maybe not now for a couple of weeks but mm -hmm. I, you know there's a lot of things i can do for you and then your job mom and dad is to support me and support our mission together, right? So that that your kids can find their way. Um, but I think that's so crucial at that age. It's just, it's just, you know, and, and that age I think is, it's unfortunately getting younger and younger and younger, where you allow kids to just explore. Like it's just, it's it's take it's we're taking it away. I think just so much quicker than uh, we need to. Mike, look, I always like to try and make myself vulnerable because, like, like the internet, this isn't a human highlight reel. Even being a host on this show. I experience the anxieties at times of being a hockey parent. Uh, I make the mistakes, even though I hear you and Christy and our guests in my head. Um, and, you know, my, my greatest fear coming into youth hockey, which I, I think we've gotten past was that, man, I really hope the kids love the game. Like you just said, Mike, cause I love the game, but I don't want them to feel like they have to play this game. Cause I did Now I think we're past that. The kids enjoy it. And yeah. now I'm realizing that, that um, my greatest fear as a hockey parent or as a parent, of a kid in athletics is that they will leave the game one day thinking, man, that was so stressful or that was so much um, yeah. anxiety. You know, I, and again, they're not me. I think this is another thing about parenting that, you know, was a real big realization for me. Like these kids, we, we always say, well, that, you got that from your mother. You got that from your father. This, my kids are not me and they're not my wife. They're their own person. Right. They have aspects of us from a DNA level. All right. And they're similar to us, but they're not us. Um, you know, I, I've experienced the game of what a, a joyous, wonderful gift. The life lessons I got out of the game were. that's always how I viewed it. My fear is my kids will not experience it that way as well. Now that's on me. That's on me and my wife to make sure that doesn't happen. Right. From a parental standpoint. But I think that, and I want to, I want to kind of compartmentalize this for our audience you know, under, under 13 years old, or, you know, and Scott, I'm going to point this at you for your, your uh, expert opinion on this. What are the bullet points of you should be listening for this? You should be looking out for that. You should be checking yourself as a parent or as a coach on this. 
um, at that age of maybe it's just too much, right? Like, what are we looking for as parents and coaches at that age from ourselves and our kids to make sure that they're, they're having a good experience at that age level? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think like anything else, just have communication with your kids, right? It doesn't need to be, you know, sit them down for 20 minutes after the game and go through every single shift and why they do this versus that. I think just having, you know, proper communication with your kids and in terms of how the game went and how they felt and even before the game, kind of what's going on, Um, you know, just to kind of put them in that mindset that they, Hey, they could be open and and honest with talking with you because sometimes kids, you know, are pretty reserved, but don't try to force it out of them. Right. right? But have that communication and, and, and obviously support and, you know, I try to, you know, with our kids, whether it's my daughter or the other kids team, just try to, you know, go, whether we lose 17 to one or whether we, you know, win, I, you know, we don't kind of keep score, even though the kids do in their head. Um, but, you know, try to go in there and, and leave some positives at the end of the day so they can walk away with that. Because I think, you know, at that age, uh, you know, at that age, a lot of the times those kids' minds are already on to the next thing they're doing that day. Right. But you still want to meet, leave that impression you know, every single time they're on the ice of that, they, they got something out of it, you know, whether it's just a uh, time with their friends, whether it was being silly with the coaches playing a new, you know, something new on the ice or whether it's a game in terms of what they, what they took out of it or kind of how they felt. Right. It's not, it's not a deep dive, trust me. And, and I, I wouldn't expect any parents to kind of go in there and have a, a, a stock four or five questions after every time, just kind of get a feel for the kid in terms of if they're enjoying it. And some days they may not, right. Some days they may not. And then, um, just kind of take, uh, the, the kid's temperature, you know, both, you know, most of the time when you guys probably see it, you know, with younger kids, sometimes it's dragging them to get to these early game slots. Right. You know, um, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that you still can't have that conversation both before and after the game to get them kind of pumped up a little bit and excited about being with their friends and getting a chance to be on the ice. Yeah. You know, I don't think at that time, you know, you're thinking about, what life lessons am I going to learn out of this? But that comes over time, right? So, you know, every single time they step on the ice or step in the locker room, hopefully they're gaining something good, bad, and different that, you know, they, they basically file, you know, somewhere that they can, uh, that they, that they can go back to. Right. And I think that's just create the biggest positive experience with their kids. Listen to what they say, have a conversation. Don't, you know, sit there and talk to them for 40 hours and what went wrong and, what they can do better, but really have an open line of communication with your kids about, you know, just how they're feeling. Cause I think I tell my daughter, every time we go on the ice, two objectives, have fun, skate hard, have fun. That's it. If she can do that, um, especially the have fun part, then uh, it's a win for the day. Um, so yeah, I don't have I, I, any, I, any specific, you know, recipe. I just think, you know, your kids, you know, but especially with whatever they're in band camp, jazz, dancing, gymnastics, or hockey, just have that line of communication and don't, and, and let them speak, right? Just ask the question, let them speak and take, take their feedback. And, and if you're intelligent enough, then, you know, you, you're going to know your response, right? And it shouldn't right. come from a negative standpoint. It should be something that encourages further participation and just reemphasize the fact that they got to spend an hour or so on the ice with their kids and, you know, gain from it. You know, Scott, I think it's also important to note that, that your focus is on the child and how they are feeling and how they are reacting and reading the temperature, as you said. You know, Mike, what about you, my feelings? Yeah, well, I was just going to say this, Mike. So so your story before is actually quite telling. I mean, <laughs> and I want our audience to hear this because this should be a little bit of an alarm clock going off, right? You talked about the, 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 the parent 
who was posting about the grind of getting to the 6 a.m. game or, or practice, but the kids were miserable, right? So the need to share that I'm grinding trumped in that situation the emotion of the kids in a way, all right? We've all been there. <laughs> We've all been to that that practice, all right? But the the need to tell everyone, hey, look at us grinding to get here in the cold in the morning trumped the probably her kids feelings in that moment or his kids feelings in that moment to me i check myself with that right now i don't post a lot about my kids but i think am i doing this for me or am i doing this for them right now and 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 i think that's a constant uh question scott that we should all be asking ourselves because like look we're human too we can get lost in it i'm i'm proud of my kid all the time we plays net it's exciting but it's not about me but i still have to check myself with that that's the point i'm trying to make we're all infallible in that in that situation. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I find myself, you know, if I'm posting stuff, my kids get all over me, but I, it's more like, I, I think it's on my, my personal side, it's more like a, from a business perspective. I'm like, they're kind of like my Guinea pigs. You know, every time I get any, you know, I, I get my hockey wrap around or my gel stick or my, you know, any, any of the stuff that I have, I'm like, okay, you're going up on the video. I need yeah. you. Cause I, I can't go grab some other kid from the neighborhood right now. You're Merchandising. right. Here. Do it for me. <laughs> so I think, you know, so to, for me, a lot of it's just about, you know, but I do, I, I, I do try to post, you know, a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of, you know, it's not just my kid, just things that are happening in hockey. That's, 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 more positive than negative like this is why we do this and this is why i have so much fun teaching it this way or this is kind of a product that i like because this is the way i would use it if i didn't know anything like if i just needed guidance and i think a lot of our parents you know we don't know what to ask for and what to do and you know that next you know what can we use or or it doesn't always have to be on the ice or does it always have to be with a skills instructor you know i was talking to a, a dad of a 15 year old and a and a seven year old the other day and they were asking about the 15 year old I said no you know this this skating class is perfect for them it's very technical it's very you know they really gonna have to think when they're with the coach and they can process that they're 15 years old that that player is going to be able to process that you're a seven year old go to public session and play tag with them that's the best power skating you do. So because they can't, they're not gonna be able to process all the nuances of where you want your ankle flexion and knee and hip and like that, that is just not, you know, again, are there seven-year-olds that can? Yes. Know your kid. Most, and I think to, to your point, Scott, about talking about, you know, when I, I found that at this age, like that six to let's say 10, it's the transitions that kill these kids that that get us all crazy. Like the the from home to church, from 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 soccer to lacrosse, from school to you know, from snack time to this time, getting off the TV to to getting homework done. Transitions is this age is where we all battle. I think as parents, is the kids doing one thing and then asking them to do something else. And I think Lee, we've talked about it a lot of times on the podcast. Like, well, we have to do a better job then of understanding what that timing is. Mm -hmm. Like, if it, if the transition is getting up. I mean, my son, he, 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 you know, he, he coaches me a lot. My younger guy, he's like, well, dad, you know, if you got me up an hour earlier, <laughs> I'd be much more prepared for the early practices. Right. Instead of you just getting me up 15 minutes before we have to go. I don't have time to, I don't have time to That's prepare. A tough pill to swallow. Like, an hour earlier. I can't get up an hour earlier. Like I'm trying to sleep in too. So I can get up and I can go. Right. Like I can literally get up, put a hat on and go to work. But the, you know, my, my little guy's like, well, no, I'd rather you get me up earlier and then I can 
I can ease into the day. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, I have to realize that. And I think that's I, a lot I, of, <laughs> I think I see a lot of that in a lot of kids. We realized pretty quickly in my home that just put the thing down and move on was not going to work. Uh, and, and, you know, we have a whole process with, hey, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes, one minute, 30 seconds. Uh, and it better be off when we come in or it's now you have a punishment situation. But right. it took us a while to get to that. And and there are kids like they're kids. They haven't learned this yet. We can't expect kids to be adults. That's just not how it works. They have to come to that stuff gradually. Yeah. Um, Scott, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I think that's a great point, Mike, that transition, because you see it, right? Like, you know, um, especially in, a, in I applaud. I we have one kid skating and the other Alex comes around and and watches. Right, he might get on the ice in the next year or so if he wants. But uh, you know these these parents that have two, three, four kids playing, right, jumping around to fifty different fifty different ranks, right. And as much as it's the kid, hopefully it's a it's a kid's choice to want to play hockey, right, at that early age or continue to play hockey. That you know, obviously as parents, we're like keen everything, right. And you said it earlier, like, it's not about us, right? It's not, it's not about us. And I know, like I get, in, I get into that as well. And I try to pull myself out of that kind of crazy thinking every now and then where I get upset at something, um, you know, that whether it's like my daughter's dragging to get in the car and I'm realizing I got to get there before and I should be there before because I'm the coach and I could, you know, just check in with the kids and stuff. But you see it, like if you, if you're not prepared yourself, Right. And I'm not saying you have to get up at four 30 in the morning for an eight o'clock game. If you're not prepared yourself and you can't sit down and just take a deep breath and say, listen, I I'm fortunate enough and blessed enough to be able to do this for my kids and, and make it about them versus you and not say, Oh, geez, I'm dragging you around to these 50 different rinks. And why, why don't you, you know, kids don't understand that. They just hear a tone of voice and they probably like, I'm doing something bad, which yeah. just puts them further into a shell in terms of inhibiting whatever sort of joy they're going to have that day. Right. And then the treasure, I think it's very, but yeah, I'm so glad that I'm coaching again. I, I had said that, you know, I just want to be the dad in the stands reading whatever the Wall Street Journal. And I, I don't read the Wall Street Journal, but reading whatever, maybe looking at my phone. We'll make it look good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, make it look I, good, I, but I'm so glad I'm coaching again because I get a whole different perspective and I'm glad that I get to talk to the parents and and have the time to see my kid coaching. But uh, it's it's dad. It's a little bit of mental judo at times, right? In terms of realizing it, you know, myself, like I'm there to, I'm there to coach nine or 10 kids. And if my daughter's just not on that day in terms of mentally, I can't let her distracting me get in the way of, of coaching the other kids. Right. And that's that parent coaching piece, right? Like my son will always ask me like, I'm like, come on, we were late, we're late. He goes, are we late for being early or are we late, late? Like, are we late for you being late? <laughs> Or are we late for me getting on the ice late? You, <laughs> you have know your what hands full. You have your son. Right. How old is he? He's nine. So, but I'm like, I'm like, listen, we're late for me being there. I I run the program. I need to be there. I need to set the boards up. I need to direct the parents. Unfortunately, because it's one of us going, I'm not. You know, your your mom's not taking you 45 minutes later. You're you're going with me. So I'll get the question. So it's always there's always a fishful like, yeah. are, are we late because you're late? Like, are, are we are we late for being early? I'm like, yes. That's the that's the standing. No, that, that's time. late. But, that's late. Yeah. You have a responsibility, and you're late if you're not there on time. That's, that's right. But but my, but his but my responsibility shouldn't fall on his responsibility. Well, so like, well he gets a, yeah. he gets dragged along by being the coach's son. Right. In, a, in a negative way. Now we've been trying to do certain things to to help with that, but That's a lot of it, yeah. I think, and I think, you know, I try to get other parents to understand that like, listen, like I'm here for your kids hundred percent, but I have a kid too. And my kid is just as finicky as your kid. Like when your kid doesn't want to go, you just don't go. 
when my kid doesn't want to go, I have to go. Right. <laughs> like, I don't well, have but Mike, I don't really have a lot of choices too. there. Like, like, and, and, and I'm talking about a gut check I had. And then Scott, I want to, I want to turn the episode towards the work that you do. Cause I think it's important that we discuss that. But right. uh, I remember like, like, like I call these trigger moments in my own brain where I have to rethink things. Um, and we kind of have been alluding to this. I remember I started having this thought of you kids are going to make me late. And I, I remember as soon as I thought that, I was like, that's not right, right? It's not their fault. And I turned it inward. I said, it's my fault because I'm not anticipating their behavior. I'm Mike, like you said, I can put the hat on and leave. That is not fair to them, right? They need the extra 30 minutes. So it's on me to get them up 30 minutes earlier. Now, with that said, these little kids expletive deleted, will still manage to find a way to elongate this process. But it is a lot easier when I have that extra half an hour and keep them on track. So look, it's a give and take. It's a balance. You know, everyone's got to work together. But I, you also got to look at your own situation and say, okay, look, are we, are we, is 15 minutes honestly enough time for a, a nine-year-old to get his or her stuff together? Because we do that, right? Yeah. You just, everyone listening, you've got to do that on your own. Some of you have kids that just pop out of bed. I know it. I'm just saying, we all have to gauge that different. There's no perfect parents. Scott, go ahead. And then I, I want to dive into your work. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I can only think back. My, my my dad gave me an option thinking back, and I, I'm not suggesting this for people, but he had, you know, it was a, our first like practice I when I was probably squirts maybe, um, is that I was so nervous about not making it. My dad's like, you got to wake up on time. If you're going to go, you got to wake up and I'll take you. And I'm sure he would have taken me if I didn't wake up on time, but I was so nervous that I actually got dressed in my hockey gear and went to bed that night. So, <laughs> Responsibility. Hockey gear, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not suggesting that because, uh, you know, but I, I do think, yeah, you got to know your kid, right? You're you're obviously around them much more than your coaches are. Um, and you need to know and, and factor in some of that stuff. I mean, we've got all I have a million things going on, right? Right. And you start throwing in more variables with multiple kids playing this and your daughter going here and daughter going there that, you know, you've got to plan ahead. Like with that, you know, it just, it just saves the, that last yeah. minute frustration, which kids can read, right? Like, you know, you get frustrated, the kids read it, you know, um, some toy with it. it just, some yeah, toy with it, Scott. Yeah. You don't start the day, right? <laughs> like if it's me and I get up right. and I don't get a chance to go get a coffee before I go on the bench, Right. I sometimes might get agitated, but I can't try to let my daughter see that. Preach, <laughs> Scott. <laughs> I think that's, everyone listening. But again, we and we talk about that all the time. It's all about just being prepared and communicate, right? Like if, if I'm if I'm going on a fishing trip, I can tell you right now, I'm not packing the morning I get up at five o'clock in the morning and go on the trip. It's packed like three days ahead of time. Like right. I know where everything is. But if, leave, you nine, if you were nine, if you were nine, I was nine. Well, I, I I tell listen, if you're if we're getting up super early, guys, right? Pack your bag, put it by the door. Everything's there. You just pick it up and go. So the minute you you could be dead asleep, I don't care. You're just picking your bag up and getting in the car and instead of putting everything in off the off the uh, you know the hangers and and yeah. and God forbid you forget something because you're just not awake. So just but we and we've talked about this a lot on the show just about being you know just finding ways for your kids to be successful. Right. It falls on you. And then you trial and error. You know, hey, listen, if you got to get dressed the night before and sleep in your gear, right. do it. Not at fifteen. I wouldn't suggest that with a fifteen-year-old because the stuff stinks. No, this, this is but how you uh, little avoid. Kids this is how you avoid the. How did you forget your skates? How did you forget those? How did you oh, forget they're, the they're, still, they're still hanging in the. They're just hanging in the room. <laughs> you need uh, those. Yeah. Um, Scott, I, I want to pivot here. I think I think it's really important yeah. we bring this up in the in, the, the episode. Excuse me. Um, 
2018, you suffered a traumatic brain injury that was a pivotal moment in your life. Um, and we said it before, you played over 350 games of pro hockey. I'm sure you faced plenty of adversity and injury during that time. So what about 2018 spawned you to rethink things and really pivot your life? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, you know, um, I, you know, my injury was in April that year. Um, it was, it was so severe. I, I don't recall probably three or four months after, give or take, you know, things here and there. But I do recall that, you know, I worked with a great neurologist and he had, he had talked about it being, you know, he mentioned to me saying, hey, this is probably going to be the, one of the toughest injuries you ever had, if not the. And I said, why is that? And he said, nobody can see it. Right. So I, I was, I was, I was scared. Right. I was scared in terms of, you know, I'd had previous concussions. I probably, dropped the gloves way too many times when I was playing just to kind of keep a spot or just to kind of protect people that were much more talented than I. But long story short is when I started to look back at it, um, you know, I was worried about what my future looked like, right? I had two young kids. Alex was just born or he wasn't actually born at the time. He was, my wife was pregnant with him at the time of my injury and our daughter was uh, two, two and a half. And I started to get scared in terms of, um, you know, what lie ahead, right? Especially when you look at all the CTE and the post-concussion syndrome and stuff like that, like, geez, I've really got to be a little bit more proactive in terms of how I take care of myself, right? And that, the the rehabilitation out of a brain injury, like is, okay, don't, not too much light, you know, focus, like limit your inputs, right? Like, so I didn't work for a while. Um, I just had to slow things down. And then slowing things down made me realize that I had a lot of things coming at me. And whether it's the athlete in me, whether it's that competitive nature, whether it's just that I got lucky that over the years that I was able to achieve some success, both on the ice and outside in the business world, that I, I still I still was handling too much and I needed to slow down. And I wasn't taking care of myself in the ways that I could have. Like I was diagnosed mid my career, 94, 95, with some anxiety and depression. I just kind of blew that off and I didn't handle that properly for the next 20 plus years so it made me realize that I just didn't take time I was focused on you know um, something some goal of success and I I couldn't even tell you at the time what that was right it just seemed like I hit one milestone I'd go for the next and the next and I always knew I was somewhat um, friendly good in relationships but I the one thing I didn't have was a true awareness of what was going on with me and once I had the time and took the time and I needed to take the time to recover from this injury, to start try, to try to identify some of those things and why things are going on inside of me and that, that I wasn't taking care of and how to properly take care of them to give myself the best chance to recover, but also lead a more meaningful life and be around for my kids. Right. So that, that, you know, without going too long, I started thinking of all these things I would wanted to tell my kids that I didn't have a chance to tell them, should I, had you know, not being been found when in the time I was by, by my wife and, and, you know, had a chance of, you know, bleeding out and dying. So I just started thinking about that and saying, you know what, I've got to first take care of myself and, and not in a selfish way, but in terms of giving myself the best chance to recover from this injury, but also dealing with some of the other deficits that I didn't take care of throughout, throughout the previous 20 years, because life comes at us hard and I, I could handle it for a while. Um, and a lot of things look rosy on the outside, right? Nice house in Princeton, you know, made some good money, had a, I was blessed to do a lot of good things and be around a lot of good people. But at some point that could have been a big crash and burn. And I, you know, through the accident and through the injury, it just gave me the opportunity to address things that I need to address, address at the time and continue to address. 
And I think it just put me on a more solid foundation to help others out there. And that's kind of where, you know, my next chapter is kind of birthed out of that, um, out of that instance. Well, I was going to say, look, that's exactly what you did. Uh, because as you said, look, you were a successful hockey player in many ways and you're successful in the mortgage business. But since that injury, uh, you've been involved to create some incredible organizations. Uh, just to mention again, Cherapy, Edge for Athletes. We know you're involved with the ranch, uh, Teammates for Life. Um, I'm not even sure what else you're involved with, but can you walk us through uh, those organizations and associations and tell us maybe the meaning behind them, what they do, and then while the, why they're important to you now? Yeah, I'll, I'll go on the back end. So um, in reverse, I guess. So the ranch, I was asked, um, when I started to get more into advocacy, right, you know, I, I realized that, you know, having some some struggles over the years with my mental health and keeping them myself really you know, didn't help anybody. So I started to talk to friends about that and I started to get involved a little bit more in advocacy. And then I saw Clint um, posted something and I knew Clint Malarchuk uh, just, I knew his story in terms of his his uh, his injury, but I didn't know much after that. When I started to dive into it more, I'm like, I need to talk to this guy. And I was like, oh, at least I'll reach out to him. And, you know, by the power of LinkedIn or, or other methods, I, I, I got a hold of him and he said, yeah, give me a call. And you know, um, I talked to him and uh, he said, I really think you should look at joining uh, this thing we got going on with the ranch. And that was probably three years ago, two and a half, three years ago. So I think I was asked, you know, just my experience in hockey and my my um, willingness to try to kind of go down the path to help others out who who struggle with with things post-career, whether it's mental health or other addiction and stuff like that, as I just felt like my experiences could help those. And then uh, obviously my connections in the sports world and just, uh, business in general. I think uh, that was my first entree in terms of being asked. And it's been great. It's been a good learning experience. It's a great organization. We're doing some great things and there's some really good people involved and, and more good people every day that want to really see that place succeed and, and help athletes out there. So that's the ranch. Um, you know, Edge Edge for Athletes was built, um, you know, that was, that was framed basically out of the need to start building out I don't want to get too businessy, but I, you know, I didn't talk about verticals, you know, up until this past year, but um, was built out of or spawned out of the fact that we were going to go pretty deep with athletes, and and we've through Sherapy, and I'll intertwine this through mm-hmm. Sherapy, we're all about shared lived experiences and how those can benefit others, right? Being open and honest, um, non-judgmental, and actually sharing experiences versus something you read in the in a book or saw online, or you know that that you just uh, are just sharing with somebody that's not from your experience. So true experiences, I believe are very, very powerful in helping people get through things, right? Whether it's um, work issues or just things that come into your life. So as we're building youth hockey, team, yeah. Yeah, youth hockey, yeah, that's a good community. <laughs> yeah. But no, Sherby was built in just leveraging human experiences and giving people a platform to share those with other like-minded people. And there's a ton of research and science based at how powerful uh, storytelling is and how powerful stories, uh, sharing experiences are. So we kind of, we've been building that out the last couple of years and it's been tremendous in, in terms of the amount of people that are out there that are caring people that want to help. And where Edge came into play was just starting to work with athletes. Uh, a lot of our focus with therapy is life stage transitions, coming out of the military, coming out of divorce, coming out of you know, loss of a loved one and obviously um, athletics, right? There's a lot of issues that we see in college and professional athletics, obviously youth as well, where um, where we feel we can make a dent in terms of some of these, in terms of the awareness and and work with athletes. So that was basically a proactive way of, of talking with 
these college athletes and professional athletes at not saying, you know, Hey, your career is going to end one day. You better be prepared for it. Actually taking a softer approach and a more proactive approach to kind of get them thinking about things that they might want to be thinking about while they have the time. You know, I know athletes and student athletes spend a tremendous amount of time and don't, you know, you would think that they don't have any time for anything else, but they do. Like I know, at least in my experience, like you have time for some of these things and that's, everything in the personal development space, uh, self-discovery, all that sort of stuff that I think we can provide, you know, to these athletes. And what, what we're doing with Edge is we're actually leveraging other athletes' experiences. So we've got a great team of ambassadors and we're growing that team as we speak. And we have some good affiliations that we're going to be announcing probably in the next couple of months that are really going to jumpstart that organization to help athletes out there. So it's all about really giving people a platform to share their experience, which I know helps the person sharing mm-hmm. on top of, how much it helps others out there, right? There's there's so much unused experience out there that goes untapped that I think if we can tap into it, like like having conversations like this, all the better. And if we can create, you know, communities and, and create communities, whether it's in the athlete community, the military community or any community out there that needs the resources and support, then we're going to do it. You know, Scott, you're bringing up some really tremendous points here. I'm writing a lot of notes. Um, and I'm trying to encapsulate this into like the, the entire experience. When you think about humans in general, the need for us to be around each other is actually a biological evolutionary need. Well, humans are supposed to be around other humans, even introverted, extroverted. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's, it's pretty well documented <laughs> that from an animal point of view, we have to have our, our packs or our tribes, so forth and so on. Um, in terms of therapy, edge for athletes and sharing stories. I love that the conversation is opening up now to do more of that. And if if you look at, um, I don't want to say people with problems, but if you look at people that are suffering, you know, and you look at things like, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, AA, a group where we share and a lot of healing comes out of that. And the people that were hurt heal. You look at veterans helping other veterans. Uh, you look at hockey parents helping other hockey parents, um, you know, which is one of the reasons I think this show is so successful is that we're just having a conversation that a lot of people weren't having. Um, I think there's a lot of power in that. And I think as people, we should look for that. So number one, I applaud you for what you're creating because it's creating the avenues for that. And there's um, impact there that have echoes and echoes and echoes that go beyond just one person. But, but it started with you. The other thing too is this with our kids. And again, you just kind of click this in my head. Mike, this goes back to what you were saying. Our kids are watching mostly human highlight reels online. They're not seeing a lot of the failures. And that will instill, and this is true for adults too, it instills a fear of sharing failures or sharing negative experiences because all you're seeing is highlights, right? You got to be part of the highlight and you got to break that because it's not reality. And I think one of the keys to breaking that, as you just said, Scott, is just finding some other people that maybe are going through similar things. It's a lot easier to say, I failed at this when someone goes, you know what? I did too. Right. And we don't do that enough today. And when you bring it to kids, they're, they're terrified of it. Right. No kid's going to come up to you like, yeah, I really screwed up today. And I mean, not no kid, but you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like we don't encourage them to talk to us. And, and, and here's the other part of it, Mike, you and I experience this daily, Scott, you too. They don't want to come to their parents and tell them because the reaction is going to be different. They want friends. So I just think what you're creating is important, but I also think the larger message here is that, we need to encourage each other to find groups that are going to provide that support and have to be okay parents 
when that support is not you, right? Mm-hmm. I'm always amazed. And I, and, and, and you know what? I, I, I want to thank my kid for this. And he has no idea he's doing it. My daughter too. That when I step away from my son and he just plays with his friends and, and I love playing with my kid. I love it. But when I step away and he just plays with his friends, I can see it's a, it's a different experience for him. You know, he's happier in a lot of ways and it's fun. And you know, I forget, you know, I'm his parent. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, cause I'm just having fun on the ice, but I'm getting long winded now. My, my point is, is that we got to recognize what our kids are seeing in ourselves. And most things are highlights right now. There's a lot of powers out there actually trying to pull us apart. What you've created and the people you work with are advocates for that community. And I think that that's insanely important right now. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you talk about it, the connection, right? Like you talk about needs. So three pillars, growth, connection, contribution, right? Mm. I was adults, you know, obviously kids need to grow. They need to connect. They need to be around their friends. They need to get exposure to different types of friends, right? Um, that those are three key needs outside of, you know, other needs that we have as human beings. And I think, you know, that, that, uh, that contribution is like, you know, I'm making a difference, right? Like it doesn't right. mean anything to me. So that connection is, uh, it's hard, right? Especially, I mean, as adults, we're getting overwhelmed with, you know, social media and, and, uh, and technology and it, and it impacts our kids and, and going directly. Like, I love the fact that you mentioned like you stepping aside and letting your kid just be a kid, yeah. you know, that's where, that's where you encourage creativity, you know, having fun versus some fear of failure. So you don't try something new, right especially on the ice. And I think that somehow, whether it's in the classroom or whether it's in on the ice or on the field that, you know, not giving the space or, or talking to your kids about, Hey, it's okay that you didn't win, or it's okay that you fell down gives them a little bit more, I believe, um, ability to be creative and not, you know, you know, clenching their stick on the ice or being fear that my goodness, my dad's gonna, you know, not, you know, drive me home if I, you know, don't shoot this puck correctly or something like that. So I think that's very important in terms of that. But I also think that goes right up the ladder. It goes with adults as well. Like if, once you, if you fear failure, you fear something, and obviously with social media and you're going to compare yourself against whatever things out there, that's a recipe for a lot of disaster out there. So I think the more we can identify with like who we are in terms of what we need to do to grow and to connect, contribute, and to have some impact out there, the better. And I think it takes talking to other people who either have walked through or are currently going through what you're going through to help, you know, to increase your chances of coming out of it on the other end with learning through something or dealing with it in a more effective way. Absolutely agree. And, and again, the community aspect could be faith. It could be uh, a community of people online, anything, just find a community that's uplifting and that can help you or shared experience, mm-hmm. right? It's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows in a community either. It's shared mm-hmm. experience. And again, going back to like stepping away, you know, I, I, Mike knows this, I stepped away from being on the bench this year. I'm, I am happy I did it because my kid's enjoying the game more. And, and look, like it takes time to be like, Hey, I don't blame myself for that. All right. It, it's one of those things too. Like, I think we could forget as parents, what we are to our kids. We love them. We want the best for them. I want the best for you. But, but it's mom and dad to them. I mean, all you got to do is go back to your own mom and dad in your head and how you might have looked at them. It's going to change that conversation. Um, Scott, one more for you. Uh, uh, and Mike, if you got more, please jump in too. But um, in all of my research of you, uh, the articles, the podcasts, one of the things I love is you use uh, a lot of metaphors from the game to describe life. Now, that speaks to me directly 
as someone who loves hockey, you, you talk about, um, I read a, a great passage from you about gap control on the ice versus life, uh, digging in and not gliding on the ice versus life, et cetera. Um, on the show, we always talk about hockey as a vehicle for our growth as, as human beings, right? And uh, I often credit the game with teaching me how to approach life. It sounds like that's the same for you. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I do. I mean, it, it's just part of whether it's through playing or coaching or both. Like that's 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 our speak, right? Right. And if you can relate it um, to life lessons, you know, it's going to obviously I'm sure that speak is different with baseball and football, whatever. But it's just an easier way for me to relate it, you know, in my experience. And I think if you're not taking life lessons away from your sport, you may not realize it when you're six, seven, eight or nine. Like, you know, um, I think that's uh, us as parents to be able to start like reinforcing that when they're that young. But if you're not taking something away of it, then you're either not getting coached properly or you're just you just don't enjoy the sport. Right. So it's just more of a it's more of a grind than than more of something you're having fun at. But, yeah, I, I, I truly think like. I don't know. I can think a lot of them like, you know, um, like I, I just think of when we were talking about creativity, like dump the puck or, you know, like, you know, you know, dump and change all these sort of things pop into my head, you know, and I'll go back without being too long winded, you know, during my college career and I had an incredible coach, but for some reason, one year, like we were so bad breaking out of our end, we would just have to wrap it around the boards. So I was like, man, that just created, that killed my creativity. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, I always think about these, these expressions. And I think from in terms of storytelling, that's what comes into my head sometimes, gap control, things like that. And I think that if you're not able to learn, you know, sports is a big part of my life and a big part of our lives, right? And I think that if you're not able to take away some key points that help you with other aspects of your life, whether it's parenting or in the job, then you're missing something or something's not being provided to you correctly during your playing years. Yeah, I always like to refer to uh, Danny Rojas in uh, Ted Lasso when he says, football is life, right? And I said, depending on how you hear that, it could mean two things. It might, you might take that as the sport is all that matters in your life. Or when I say things like that, you know, hockey is my life. I say, you know, it is the metaphor for life, right? The, the game, and you can apply this to many different sports. The game is a great teacher. And there's so many situations. And I, I was just talking about this on another podcast about the day I realized that I could apply my effort, my love, my passion my creativity from hockey to something else. That was a really big eye-opening moment for me. It, it, you know, uh, and people are like, wow, you didn't know you could do that. No, I didn't. I was so identified as a hockey player that that's the only thing I thought I could apply this to. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It, and, and you, you know, no, it, it took a snap moment and a lot of things falling apart for me to realize, wait, I'm not limited to the game to do this. Right. And, 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 you know, I think you've lived your life in a way that's conducive to that too, man. Like, again, just the way you've opened it up and you've created a place that's going to affect thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, millions of people long-term. And that is amazing to me. And I applaud you for that. Um, go ahead. My bad. Mike. Yeah. Mike, do you have anything? Mike, no. I should have thrown it to you. Mike. Listen, I, I, no, I just, I'm just, I'm just, you're, you're, um, I, I, I always kind of think I'm thinking about how, how this applies with different age groups and, 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 you know, when, when would you implement, you know, how heavy you'd want to have these conversations? I mean, where, where have you been finding, I mean, is your, is your, is your kind of sweet spot right now, like post player? Is it, is it in, is it, is it current athletes and, 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 you know, professionals or is it high school? Like where, where are you finding this 
uh, makes the most impact when the parent voice isn't the strongest voice for the person. Yeah, the you know what, I I think we could have you can have impact at all different levels, right? I think um, you know that might be right now biting off a little bit more than we can chew, right? Our focus has been current collegiate and professional uh, players. But I do see, like, I, I'm talking with people that are in that space that, you know, that that we'll collaborate with that are, um, that kind of went that route, you know, professional and collegiate, but are actually more ingrained in high school right now. So, and I, and I do think youth sports needs it, right? Um, like, we'll support any and everybody who's there to better, you know, kids' experience. Um, but it's just a matter of what we're tackling now is more collegiate and, and professional and, and probably more collegiate, right? The numbers are just greater there than, than professional. And I think a lot of it is, uh, you know, like you talked about it, like identity, like, you know, what's portable post-career, post-college post, uh, or post-professional career and, and, and taking some of those attributes. And there's a lot of great platforms out there that do it, you know, um, which is great. I think, you know, the more, the better, especially in sports, military, you know, there just needs to be more resources for these people. So we're focused more I would say really strongly on collegiate, but also, you know, helping out, um, you know, people that are in the professional in the world in terms of whether it's hockey or whether it's baseball, but uh, football, lacrosse, you know, there's a lot of nowadays, but, and if there's the best part about it is when you're in any space, like you meet other people that are tackling some of those others, like some of the youth and stuff. So I have a tremendous amount of trust in some people that I've gotten to know over the last year or so that really could, if need be, we can send people their way. So. Yeah, I think I think it's it's interesting because one of the groups I I, I consider a, a mentor group to me as a coach uh, and a professional is a is a group I meet with um, a bunch of ex coaches or some current coaches and we meet once a week and one of the things that keep we keep coming back to is the 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 less need at the youth like being more proactive so people aren't getting to the point of where you're rehabbing them almost like, like, you know, going at getting ahead of this. And then instead of, instead of, you know, needing a hockey director as your first point of concern in a youth hockey program, it might be like an ethical director or a, uh, an emotional director, like somebody that can understand, you know, how to frame a lot of these things for our kids so that we're not getting to the point of they've fallen kind of off the cart. Like, like how can we, how can we prepare our athletes and our parents and our, and our, you know, the people that we associate with early on. And then I listen, identify those, those, those areas where we have to spend more time instead of saying, well, the answer to all youth hockey is just more power skating classes. (laughs) Well, the answer might be, let's have a conversation with our teenage players, our, our 18 U kids about the path and the journey and what you're going to encounter. And then we're going to try to proactively help you navigate that world. And then of course there's other support services for you when you do make that mistake or, or, or make a decision that wasn't in maybe your best interest to the team's best interest. And I just think that's where, you know, I think when in what you're doing is where that, that th- those do, those do, combine like they, they, there is a lot of synergy there for somebody working in the youth world to understand what you're doing post career so that we can bridge the gap okay well, where are we missing why are we missing certain areas where it gets to the point where somebody feels this anxiety feels this depression you know feels this kind of overwhelming um you know flood of emotion based off of what we're doing right we're doing it at the youth level 
Like we're the ones directing these kids. So we certainly have um, influence on how we approach them and, and, you know, and where, and, 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 and kind of how they're reacting to that. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I mean, I love the term proactive, right? You, you know, because that's what we're all about. I mean, whether it's collegiate or professional, um, and even obviously in youth with people dealing with it, to be proactive, obviously, you know, can ward off a lot of potential issues, right? I, I think that, you know, we're not around to sit here to try to fix everybody in terms of every single thing, but we, you know, we, we can, what we can do through conversation and through discovery is, you know, get people to realize that, oh, maybe I should look into that, or maybe that is accessible to me, right? So you see a lot of, in, in the collegiate world, and obviously in the professional world, you get a lot of mindset coaches, like there's a lot of now team sports psychologists that are dealing with that. It's just a matter of getting people or the player um, to ask for that help, right? Like it's there, you know, as a resource, you know, um, but it's just getting people to identify that maybe that their life or their career at that point in time might be better by speaking with somebody. And I think, you know, we'll see it. And I don't know, you know, it's, it's out there, obviously like in the, in the development program and, and some other colleges out there that are um, that are attacking, you know, some of this uh, mental wellness head on. Right. And hopefully that, you know, grows to, um, to much more exposure in the collegiate level and obviously in the youth level. I think, you know, you don't have to teach kids, you know, I think mindset is key, but, you know, mindset at eight, it's obviously different than 18 and 28, right? But I think it's a key point. And I think a lot of that goes on our shoulders as parents when they're young. And that just, hopefully, if I can help parents out by not being stressed, like I always say, make better communities, better the communities in which we live, work and play, right? I don't want people getting home from work then having to go drag their kid to the rink that had a bad thing going on at work that can't put that thing aside. And then that's the parent yelling at the ref during the game, right? It's just, you got to compartmentalize, com, com, compartmentalize, sorry. I'm um, a tongue twister for myself right now, but I'm, you've got to be able to compartmentalize that. I'm tackling again, but I think the better we can create um, in terms of our communities, hockey community, military community, the better willingness for people to address some of their the their needs that they may not have thought were needs before and then provide resources or pointing them in the right direction or trusted direction to go, then we can better better that person, which you know bleeds into their other aspects of their life, whether it's coaching hockey or whether it's parenting hockey or whether it's even playing hockey themselves. Um, we won't get into the adult men's hockey stories where um, that can be another episode. Yeah. yeah, I was I was get freaked out when guys on my men's team shared me their live barn highlights from the game I was at. But that is for another episode. Uh, yeah. Scott Kelsey again circled <laughs> this on my notes here: growth, connection, contribution. I think we talked about all three of those today. Um, I think it says a lot about who you are. I, I want to say it again, man. I applaud you for for the steps you've taken through your life, not just as a hockey player, but as a person and the contribution you're making to, to, to the people, not just the sport, just the people in general. I think that needs to be celebrated and talked about more. So thank you so much for sharing that with us today. No, thanks guys. I love what you guys are doing. And, um, uh, and I've shared what you guys are doing because I didn't want it to seem like, Oh, I'm on this podcast. You should listen to it. Right. So hopefully some of my parents are, uh, have, have listened to you guys and I, and I applaud you guys for all you're doing out there to help the kids and obviously, um, you know, better their experience in the sport. Well, taking your lead, we're trying to grow the community, right? And that's one of the things that makes this show so great is that all the listeners here, I think we're all experiencing this in real time together, and that's why we find success. So it's a great episode. Scott, Kelsey, you were fantastic. Mike Benelli, you were fantastic. And this was just another wonderful show, uh, as always. And the audience listening can't thank you enough. 
you are just the best and you keep us going every single week and the community that we're growing here is important if you want to be part of that community there's several ways to do it uh, head over to facebook find our private group called our kids play hockey you have to answer a couple yes or no questions to get in but we have great continued discussions as well there and then uh, every episode we're done including this one available on your favorite podcast network or ourkidsplayhockey.com where we also have some special deals for you uh, if you're looking to support us support the show or support some people in the game so without further ado we want you to enjoy your week in hockey we'll see you next time on our kids play hockey we hope you enjoyed this edition of our kids play hockey make sure to like and subscribe right now if you found value wherever you're listening whether it's a podcast network a social media network or our website ourkidsplayhockey.com also make sure to check out our children's book when hockey stops at whenhockeystops.com it's a book that helps children deal with adversity in the game and in life we're very proud of it but thanks so much for listening to this edition of our kids play hockey and we'll see you on the next episode